So Pavana, say, actually Pavana begins at stream entry. And this is uh, cultivating or developing the path, middle way. And of course the word meditation is a word for any kind of mental training. But uh, So I encourage you to take the word bhavana, Pali word, and the fourth noble truth should be cultivated, this middle way, machima bhattibhata, and what it really means is mindfulness. Now, bhavana then is when you let go of the first three fetters or you understand them, then there is, there's a consciousness and mindfulness and then panya or samaditi samasangapo this is the this is the path the machimabhatibhata but it's not really a path it's just a way of talking really because it's always here and now remembering here and now Enlightenment now, Nibbana now, awareness now. And people question, you know, you've got to, there's this uh, interpretations of gradual, step by step, and instant. And so this, and remember, this is a limitation of language. Thinking is, uh, you know, A and then B and then C and then D and onward. Mindfulness is here and now. So, you know, it's a, when you're, you're thinking or you're talking, remember it is a limitation and can be uh, a very, uh, you know, if you believe, thoroughly committed to the thinking process, then you, you see everything in terms of A, B, C sequence in first step, second step, third step. Because the thinking process depends on language and memory, so you know you you um, observe that you can't think the same thought, you can't uh, think two different thoughts at the same moment. So we're dealing with time, uh, our perceptions of time, and so the you know this akalika dhamma or the timeless. Um, is mindfulness. So what I've done is keep reminding myself because, uh, of course, the cultural conditioning, the self-view is all based on time. When you think about yourself as a person, you say, when were you born? And you you give a date and and so forth. You have a sense of being a, a historical person, somebody who was born so many years ago and is this age because you're your body has lived this many years, and uh, this is the conventional reality that we use. But we we also cling to it. We identify with the age, with the body, with the memory, perception. So awakened awareness then is getting outside the conditioning, the artificial. Uh, attachments to the artifices that we we collect in our lives. And so then this uh, Appamado Amatapadang 
heedfulness, paying attention is the path to the deathless. So I mean, this is is uh, this is you know this to me is the the way the Machima Bhattipata is always awareness here and now. Samaditi, samasangapo come from this moment. It's not about practicing so tomorrow you have samaditi. So what does that imply? You know, it implies that enlightenment is now, nibbana is now, and that's instant. That's not gradual. So I found just remembering that gave me this this uh, sense of relief of of. Uh, the, the the priority then is to is to remember this to to be here and now to really uh, you know value uh, respect this simple imminent reality of awareness and then all this burden of I've got to you know a gradual path I do this and then do that and then work hard and the way that my conditioned mind works, tends to be a burdensome. I create endless burdens through my uh, conditioned uh, personality. So some, I remember the, the reading in some book years ago about, because that's what Nibbana was, and it's, it's like, you know, you, you're carrying a heavy burden on your back and you're kind of bent down with the weight the heaviness, tired, and then you put down the burden. It's a sense of relief. I think we can all relate to that, a sense of relief of not having to prove yourself or get something you don't have or you've got to change yourself into some, become something that you imagine you should be. Because these kind of uh, attitudes I, I find tedious and hopeless, despair, despairing. So then uh, mindfulness is also not created. That's why it's, it's rec recollecting. Sati is like remembering or recollecting here and now. Because the uh, conditioned mind, then we forget, you know, we get caught up in worldly cares, responsibilities, duties, sense of self, uh, the future, living for the future, remembering the past, responsibilities. We have to deal with things like loyalty and and uh, commitment. These these words are very strong, emotionally fraught words in, in our culture. Sense of duty and responsibility, commitment, loyalty, being trustworthy, being impeccable. Remember Anjan Ananda always liked the word impeccability. And so I got, I found that word got rather sick of it because trying to make myself impeccable I found depressing. Like I've got to be impeccable all the time. It means I can never feel at ease with life because you're always trying to be what I think is an impeccable example. An impeccable bhikkhu, you know, the perfect role model for you all that, that always has to set a high standard of behavior never let you down, never let the tradition down. And it's, this, uh, it's all, you know, it's noble and good in, in, in its idealism. It's, uh, you know, not criticizing it in that way. But as a, without seeing what one is doing, 
then it, after a while you resent it. You get tired of trying to play roles and be impeccable for people. You want to do just the opposite. <laughs> so I used to sometimes like the crazy wisdom teaching, where instead of being perfectly impeccable, you can thumb your nose at everybody. <laughs> but that's not it. <laughs> also, and you get into like being teacher, t taking on responsibilities, being a hajan or teacher or leader, trainer, you know, be aware of, of how these, these uh, concepts affect you. Because we can, we can make, uh, be having responsibilities and duties, things like this, into a, a heavy burden of personal responsibility. And we feel loyalty and duty. And these are good qualities in themselves, but as attachment out of ignorance, then they lead to getting burned out, exhaustion, weariness, despair. Whether mindfulness, then this, uh, this, and, and then I refer to sound of silence, because as soon as I remember Apamado Amatapadang, sound of silence, and it's a, it's a, like a connected stream. It's, it's a flowing, sense of flowing. And that's, there's all this kind of attachments, these attachments to uh, the compulsive tendencies, obsessive tendencies, they kind of, I find they, they disappear. And I'm perfectly aware, but there's, but this, uh, this burden that I can carry on a personal level uh, dissolve. And I don't have to sustain it. I don't, it's not dependent on, on me kind of creating it and then kind of perpetuating it. It's just remembering, resting, trusting. So this sense of sada or faith increases in, uh, through bhavana, like uh, the sense of uh, the word faith, and in Pali the word sada. Sada and panya are words that go together. Uh, you know, so you have sata and then panya, they work together, faith and wisdom. Where the English word faith, um, um, uh, we sometimes regard as believing in things or trusting in things we don't know. If somebody says you you have to have faith in the Lord or Jesus, uh, you know this uh, this is, but this really means grasping, you know, believing, doesn't it? Or it can mean in this way, where word santa is through your own exploration and insight. You trust trust in the middle way because you you know you you do forget it, and the world impinges and intimidates you, and you get wound up and carried away. But then the more you remember mindfulness here and now, letting go, letting go of the burden of I have to get this and I've got to do that and got to be impeccable example and and uh, be loyal and and, and so forth. And it's just, um, you know, the that whole sense of somebody that has to do something or constantly try to live up to high standards, uh, that falls away and there's just this natural state of being, conscious and aware. And it's anatta, there's no self. So then there's trusting this, recognizing it, realizing it, trusting it, and, and, and that's, that's just remembering it and putting it to the test, like integrating it into your life. So you're actually testing it out, you know, maybe I'm totally deluded what I'm talking about. It's up to you to find out for yourself. 
Then in, uh, you know, it's like uh, living the monastic life. It's just continually reminding, you know, whatever is happening to, to remember this. You know, no matter how, whether your people are praising you or criticizing or you're being awarded prizes or being cast out or being blamed or misunderstood or you're fed up, uh, you... You have other temptations. You don't. You don't need Vinaya and all this tradition. Just be aware. That's enough. Eckhart Tolle, Vedanta, Advaita Vedanta. You don't need to be a Samana, and uh, you don't have to be celibate. It's not necessary. You know? <laughs> so then, so there's a, you know one gets critical or fed up or disillusioned with institutions with. Buddhism, with Sangha life, with monks, with nuns, with all the monkishness and pettiness that goes on in the Sangha. You know, sometimes you just get so fed up with all the kind of what I call monkishness. I think, oh, monks are... Gah. <laughs> and then then remembering, sound of silence. These are, I mean, it's... it's uh, then the... Cause I'm not... You know, I'm not interested anymore in 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 uh, becoming anything, but in cultivating this awareness here and now. So, in in say, in my own position, the the uh, you know being senior monk and so forth, and the being well known and and um, all the rest. It's like you know, not making that into a burden, using it for uh, for trusting in the awareness, cultivating uh, Majjhima Bhattibhata, Rilpavana. So then, the, then the, the, the kind of aversion or boredom, weariness, these, say, these are mental states that, that you awaken to and you, through this awareness of them, you see them in terms of aramana or mental objects rather than Messages, intuitive messages to to do something else, or to you know sometimes you even want to believe them, but in, in this uh, determination to to cultivate to develop this connected awareness, no matter what. So it's like even if they crucify me or <laughs> nail me to a cross, please don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's taking an exaggerated <laughs> incident, but the point is, no matter what happens to you, you know, to uh, encouraging you to 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 keep cultivating or developing this awareness, you know, through the eight worldly dhammas: success, failure, praise, blame, happiness, suffering, um, good health, bad health. <clears throat> I mean, these are. Uh, you know the, the the conditioned realm is it's changing and it like you have an inhalation you have an exhalation you know you feel happy and then sad and people will love you and hate you and and so forth these are just the the worldly dhammas that every human being whether you're enlightened being or unenlightened you know, just the way the world operates. So this eight, these eight worldly dhammas are really important to, to remember and reflect on.
Because sometimes we, you know, we have this idea we should be rewarded and be respected for living the holy life. You know, I should, you should respect me and, and uh, I should be rewarded for being celibate and keeping the Vinaya and being an impeccable monk and performing my duties and uh, doing all the things I should do. And then when I'm not, you know, you can, when I'm criticized or blamed or disparaged or unjustly accused of something, that I think it's unfair, it's not right. How can they do this to me? And this is Sakya Ditti, isn't it? They really observe, you know, you know, I'd like to be rewarded for being good, for being loyal, for being dependable for being uh, trustworthy and all these good qualities I expect to be praised and rewarded and appreciated. But that, sometimes that happens, sometimes, the, you, you know, people don't. They set you up, blame you, abuse you and so forth and then you think it's unfair. Well, the bhavana then is using everything, you know, and they're praising, giving you... Uh, um, accolades, yet uh, titles, royal titles, held up high, mindfulness of that. So you don't, you don't, you aren't attaching to to praise from the worldly praise, or when the, you're being blamed, criticized, rejected, being treated unfairly. You can't. How can you even expect fairness out of life? You know, we all, this idea that, that things should be fair. But on the condition realm, things are the way they are. You know, it's not always going to be fair. Fairness is an ideal. But so much of life is unfair. And it's just the way it is. So our relationship to conditioned phenomena is, is, is the knowing of it. All conditions are impermanent. So that whether we're being treated fairly or unfairly is not the point. We're still cultivating, or this pawana is not obstructed by being treated unfairly, or being rejected, or abused, or being praised. Good health or bad health, or success, failure. So in Lung Po Chao, in Thailand, they often talk about Lokatam Pat, and Lokatam Pat is the eight worldly dhammas. They constantly talk about this where you see praise and blame of equal value rather than wanting one and, and resenting the other. So it's like cultivating or pawana, then it, praise is like this, blame is like this, it, it arises, ceases, you hear how wonderful you are, you hear how horrible, stupid you are, but your, ref, your cultivating is an awareness, not, not in being caught up in being happy about the praise and being uh, angry about the blame. Well, how do you do that? You know, that, that can only be, I mean, it's not an ideal. I'm not talking about how you should be, uh, you know, beyond, be, uh, beyond praise and blame as a personal uh, ideal that you should live up to, but cultivating it. It's this, it's just this awareness. It's here and now, being, knowing that, very directly, 
resting in this awareness, in the silence, in the stream, no matter what, you know, nailing you to a cross or crowning you with a diamond crown, one is equal to the other, to the same thing, you know. So that's like equanimity, uh, upeka, but it's also not an indifference, it's kind of like you don't notice or don't care, it's kind of blind to to the eight worldly dhammas. You know them, and you're not, you're no longer um, being intimidated uh, or or caught up or making demands on the conditioned realm. So that's why the, the pavana is the eightfold path, the fourth noble truth, samaditi, samasangapo, and it comes through insight, not through, uh, you know, through some kind of gradual uh, attainment. And so when I keep emphasizing learning to trust, how, how do you say this? Trust in awareness? I say trust yourself, but I don't mean in your Sakyaditi, don't trust that. I don't trust Sakyaditi. Because, you know, my Sakyaditi still can operate, still, you know. I feel this and should be like that, and I don't, you know, I get, you know, it's not that it ceases, but you know it. Sometimes we, we just hope, you know, that, that Sakyaditi will cease and, and we'll just be in this uh, state of perpetual equanimity as an ideal, you know, and we no longer have a busy mind or feel anger, we'll hopefully attain this, this perfect state and and nothing will bother me ever again. That's still Sakya Ditti, isn't it? And so this this recognition of the sense sense consciousness, the sense realm is always going to be irritating even in, to enlighten to a Buddha, because that's its nature. So in the scriptures, you know, the life of the Buddha, you, after his, the Gautama Buddha's enlightenment, you know, he was abused, blamed, you know, got fed up with the Kosambi monks and the fiddly kind of quarrelsome tendencies, uh, making problems out of nothing and just, uh, you know, uh, society praising, blaming, and the, the you know, so it wasn't wasn't like he he lived in a state of you know untouchable bliss after enlightenment, but he didn't create suffering around the eight worldly dhammas. So this is possible for all of us. You know, this is this is not we're not trying to you know trying to get out of anything but really embrace everything, take our vipaka kama, learn from it, use it, cultivate, uh, or develop sati-sampachanya. So it's something you you don't, uh, you know, it's not a creation or a state that you you have to make, it's just remembering and trusting in it. Because there's nothing else to trust that I can see, you know, the, Eight worldly dhammas. There's nothing in that, in either side that that you know you can keep or trust or whatever. But this you can, and and just this discerning, attachment, non-attachment. So don't be afraid to attach to things. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't attach to anything, but when you attach to things, really be aware of what attachment is. So 
you know, you're learning attachments like this. Non-attachment is like this. So all that happens is it's just a change of perspective of this is mine and, uh, you know, this sense of self and uh, right and wrong and should and shouldn't. And really, I mean, really be conscious of, of the, you know, the result of attaching to to sankharas, to a self-view, to an opinion, having being opinionated and strong convictions and high principles. Be aware of, of this, uh, the attachment to the, these conditions is like this. And then by intentionally, you know, awakening and being aware of attachment, you know, the non-attachment, you see the suffering, you recognize the cause of suffering is attachment out of ignorance. So it's a natural process of letting go. It's like grasping the candle flame, isn't it? You, a flame on a candle is very beautiful, light, attractive. And you grasp it and it hurts, so you let it go. Nothing wrong with the flame, is it? It's just, you know, fire has its uses brings light into the room or keeps you warm. So it's just a matter of uh, not grasping it out of ignorance. The same with desire. Desire is not trying to say, I'm not going to have any more desires. I'm going to completely eradicate, extirpate, resonate all desire. Or this is a desire realm, so just like fire, you know, it, it has its uses, but it, it's when, when we understand desire, we know what it is, like we know fire, and we know better than to, to go and grasp it, because it hurts when you do. So, you know, it's not a matter of, I have to tell you, you know, now let go of that fire because it's burning you and it hurts. You just automatically do it, because it, I, you don't have to be reminded, it's just natural. When you see it, you know, you, you feel it, and you let go. So the sense realm is, you know, is like that. It's, uh, we can live with it, appreciate it, without being attached to it. We're living in community also is very, you know, found so much. I've learned so much living in with all of you in the community life, monastic life. No, because it is people living with other people bring up our fears and self-consciousness and loves and hates, probably stronger than anything else. You know, so, so recognize that in a monastic community, you know, our relationship to each other is, is uh, Vinaya, or the Sila. And that's an agreed, you know, ag agreement when we live in, in a Buddhist monastery, you know, that the, we're not here to, to, uh, exploit each other or abuse each other or to, you know, so we have the uh, celibacy, our relationship uh, to each other is uh, a celibate one. So we're not, you know, we, we still can feel sexually attracted and so forth. And it's fair enough. That doesn't, that's just natural between, you know, the in the worldly conditioned realm. But how we relate and, and respond to each other is through this uh, celibacy. But how we, you know, but we certainly can reflect on the attraction, aversion, and so forth that that 
we experience when we're living together is like this, being attracted or being repelled is like this. Uh, with different different commas, different personalities, different uh, ethnic groups, male, female, all these things that, that, you know, we have reactions and emotional reactions. We feel we approve and disapprove, like and dislike, prefer one over the other. And the, but our, the encouragement towards bhavana then is to see this, you know, not, to, not to grasp this. But we're not trying to be angels, you know, trying to pretend that we, we're just we're experiencing upeka as a continuous uh, emotion. We're just totally in this state of bland indifference to everything. Because as you well know, a lot of indignation, feeling, uh, um, well, it arises in community life, even in a very moral, uh, restrained community like this. Passions can still be very strong. And so relationship to those passions is knowing, you know, not is uh, awareness of them, but not grasping them. Or if grasping them, being caught up, being losing it and getting caught up in our passions, that point where we re recognize what grasping is, then we can let go. So sometimes we forget and we get caught up in our own view of how things should be and strong emotions. But then there's always a point where you suddenly see it. You know, suddenly you're getting wound up by somebody or conditions and then suddenly you just see, ah. And that is an awakened state, you know, that with that ah feeling. Where if you, you know, if you get, if you don't trust that, then you, you can, oh, you know, oh, I can't live here because this and that, and this person, this monk, this nun, and we get into believing all our feelings and, and reactions. And we can justify it with good reason to believe in, in our own feelings. But then there's a point, you're cultivating, if you're, uh, if it's real power now, then there's a point where you suddenly realize, ah, it's like this. Then I, you know, go to immediately sound of silence as a reference point, you know, so I, I break that momentum. I stop that that vortex, that whirlpool, that uh, that I, you know, if I'm not aware, if I don't trust that moment of awakeness, and I just, I get, you know, it just keeps carrying me around and around until I maybe distract myself with something else or run away or do something like that. But if I, you know, trust that, that suddenly, you know, I'm caught up, somebody comes and says, Ajahn Zameno, this is, we've got to do something about this. And that, that kind of feeling where somebody's um, strong emotion is affecting me. You know, you can still wind me up if you want. If you're so inclined, I'm not beyond that. But there's this, <laughs> but there's this point and suddenly I recognize and I trust that. And at that point then, uh, you know, the, I've trained, you know, I remember suddenly sound of silence. And it's uh, like I'm resting in it. Like right now, I'm just resting in this 
and then no everything dissolves, you know, there's nothing left. So then the, the flow of life, you know, one just does, you know, lives accordingly, you know, so you eat when the, you know, when they ring the bell and do the best you can on the, you know, in the conventional realm. But uh, it's no longer something, you know, it's no longer compulsive or, or you know, we can see, even see how, how to use the conventional world much more skillfully. A relationship to society, to community, to monasticism, then is, is coming from much more kind of wisdom and compassion, joy, rather than from duty and putting up with things and, and um, just being caught up in dis disappointment, criticism, discontentment. So the monastic life, to me, is a great, you know, I've always felt, I've always felt very uh, privileged you know, in Asia, sometimes they, you know, even though they're Buddhists, sometimes they they feel, you know, if, if they're, you know, monks are, you know, they they respect you according to culture. But you ask somebody, you know, who has it from a good family in Bangkok, who's gone through the university, they don't want their son to be a monk. They want him to do it temporarily and then become a businessman or a doctor or something like. A, Monks are, you know, if you, you, you know, if you're a farm boy from the East on, it's a way to get ahead. But if you're from wealthy family, you, you ordain and in order to, uh, you know, make merit for your mother, and then you disrobe and you really, you know, get down to get married and and make money. So I mean, it's, you know, monasticism can be kind of. It's like you're paying tribute to it and you admire people or Westerners who live the holy life. But also, in like any religious convention, it can be just, you know, part of a, a cultural assumption where, you know, my personal feelings have always felt it's an honor, you know, and I've always felt, felt honored by the opportunity to live this life because, you know, it's something quite out of my cultural expectation. I never thought I'd be a Buddhist monk. You know, it's not part of uh, my cultural conditioning. And yet, uh, you know, the, the appreciation, gratitude of, of to Thailand for, you know, accepting me and, and encouraging me and supporting me in this, in this holy life. You know, and it, one feels it's a great honor to be to have it, to be a samana, because it is, it's, you know, in, since I've entered the monastic life, this kind of goodness that, that has generated, the kind of kindness and respect that has been, uh, that I've received, it quite amazes me when I think of it. You know, and to be a human being at this time, in such a screwed up time, where there's so many problems and, you know, so much, uh, material wealth in our lives, isn't it? Living in countries like this where there's, you know, people never lived so well. You know, even the kings a uh, hundred years ago didn't have all the luxuries we have, even as monks or nuns. Najan Kongret was showing me the the advertisement in the, on the internet for this iPhone, this new invention. It can do everything. Just this neat little 
smaller than this clock, you know. And there's one little machine you can telephone, <laughs> call, you know, call your friends in Thailand from here, or you can, you know, have music, uh, send messages. Then it was even a joke thing. They even had you can do everything. You can <laughs> use it for, for all kinds. I mean, they 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 call it kind of exaggerated, but. This this little machine is like magic, you know. It costs maybe two hundred pounds or something, and and you and you can do anything with it. Well, what, you know, royalty, hundred years ago couldn't didn't didn't have such luxuries, and now these are just common for anyone who has the money to buy one. So I mean, we we're living in a time, I mean, especially in a country like this, where we have, you know, so much. Luxury, just it's, it's ordinary stuff. It's not even luxury anymore. It's just just the part of the life uh, of modern modern life. And yet, um, is it, are people are they? You know, people are getting stressed even more because it's it's just too much. You know, the the material world is just too. You know, it goes on and on and on. It's it more refined, more you know, like road rage and. Uh, you know, kind of anger and frustration when your computer breaks down, and you know where, uh, you know, one is frustrated and uh, gets one doesn't develop much patience, or that when when you're expecting efficiency and demanding efficiency and immediate instant results. So in uh, you know, and, and I appreciate this. I mean, I'm not not. Uh, I'm not an anti-material, but recognizing that the, that as an end in itself, no matter how much we perfect the material world and in uh, the uh, conventional realm, it's still unsatisfying to us. And then also in the present situation where there's, you know, there's this ever, you know, you feel it's incredible determination of the United States to wage war. You know now they're really trying to to um, alienate and you know make Iran into the big big enemy. You know you just hear it in the news now. Definitely strong uh, language against Iran, make, you know, like they did with Saddam Hussein a few years ago. And so there's this. You feel uh, the United States now is a country that just endlessly wants to wage war with other countries. And uh, and that's frightening because it's a very powerful country, and I don't trust it. You know, I don't trust their intentions. So it is a time for mistrust, suspicion, paranoia, fear. Uh, this seems to be what's generated now into into affluent societies, and not not to mention the ones that aren't affluent. Just so much fear. And so it is a time where where mindfulness is, it seems to be more urgent. The only way we can deal with this, you know, without, you know, you know, and the only way we can really help the situation is by freeing ourselves from ignorance because all these, this, this kind of, all this fear, paranoia, comes out of avicca, bhajaya sankara. You know, so you trace it all back to that. And, it, and so if we're, Still operating from avicca, then 
you know, we're, we're part of the, the whole problem. We're creating and supporting the problems of the world. So recognize there's opportunity we have of not, not creating the problem. At least, you know, you can, each one of us can do that. This is within our potential as human individuals. Whether we can, the effect it has on the United States or China or whatever is something else. But at least, you know, I'm not supporting, I'm not operating from, or in, I have no intention of operating or furthering the avicca of the human condition. So that this uh, awareness, awakenness, this is, and, and this uh, opportunity we have here of cultivating this, a lifetime of awareness. See, this is a great honor for us all. We're very, feel very fortunate that, that we have this possibility made available to us where this kind of reminding is, is you know, this is a, what we're doing right now is reminding of, this, of what we're here for, of what is worthwhile paying attention to and how to live as a human individual in the world that is beneficial to oneself and to the society that we're living in and to the um, environment that we experience. So the day after tomorrow is the Pavarana day and we things are coming to an end and uh, on the level of uh, the convention of Vasa and so this uh, Everything that begins ends, all conditions arise and cease. But this uh, encouragement, this retreat, uh, this encouragement, a reminder uh, too, uh, you know, if, if, no matter how much you despair or, or feel negative or whatever, that's, uh, I encourage you to awaken to it, to, to trust this awareness of it, and to uh, be patient with with the conditioned realm too, not to try to get rid of it or make it into what you want, but bear with the way you are with your doubts and fears and tendencies and this kind of sense of allowing these conditions to be what they are because they change on their own. It's not up to me to, to force the issue. It's what I can do is, is be the receiving, the knower, the puto, knowing the Dhamma, rather than trying to make them, get rid of them if they're bad, or try to hold on to the good. This is, this is the bhavana, or cultivation of the Machima Bhattipata, 